This is Truth, Justice, and Hope, the podcast that explores the modern era of Superman and Superman-related comics. I'm Grant Richter, and this is Episode 10. friends and welcome back to the show. This episode we are going to be discussing Action Comics number 959 in New Superman that's Super Hyphen Man number 1 both from August no excuse me from July of 2016. Now normally this is where I would segue into the uh, thoughts from the Fortress of Solitude segment. But if you've been listening to the show this past week, you may have noticed that I released that segment early because it was my thoughts on Halloween, not Halloween, doofus, <laughs> on Thanksgiving in general and on the concept of found family specifically. And I wanted to get that out before Thanksgiving came around. So I dropped that this past Wednesday. Uh, if you're kind of a completist, you can consider that part of this episode. But it is done. It is out there. If you haven't listened to it yet, I would love for you to go do so. But that means we can jump straight into the comics. So we are going to start with action number 959. And let me get to the credits here because they bury them kind of deep. Let's see. Do, 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 do. So professional, I know. All right, so this is written by Dan Jurgens. It has artist, the, the art is by Tyler Kirkman. The letters are by Rob Lee. The colorist is Arif Prianto. Uh, the main cover is by Clay Mann and Sonia Obach with assistance from Dan Jurgens. And the variant cover is by Ryan Sook. Now let's take a look at those covers. Now the main cover is a very Henry Cavill-looking Superman kneeling down, holding the unconscious body of the mysterious other Clark Kent amidst some rubble as Doomsday looms ominously behind them. And the alternate cover is Superman in some kind of chamber with a, a glass or clear plastic door behind him, and the chamber is filling up with what appears to be kryptonite gas, and Superman is gripping the wall behind him so hard he's leaving fingerprints in the in the wall and he's starting to clutch his chest and we have a a malevolently grinning Lex in reflection in the glass while wearing his Superman armor. And they're both really good covers. I like them, but I can't say which one I like more. They are so good. I'm kind of leaning towards the main cover, 
um, just because I appreciate how much Superman looks like Henry Cavill in that one. And, you know, I've, I've given my thoughts on the Snyder movies. I don't think they're the great masterpieces and the be-all and end-all of film and of Superman uh, movies that uh, other some people find them to be, but I like them a lot, and I like Cavill as Superman. He's not necessarily my favorite Superman, but I do like him quite a bit. And uh, that's a pretty awesome-looking Doomsday looming there behind them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly lean towards the main cover. Now, as we get into the book, we start with Lois back at the farm. Um, I think I think they've said it's Hamilton County. Yeah, it's Hamilton County, which is upstate of Metropolis, and she is home with John, and she is remembering when Doomsday first showed up in Metropolis back on their Earth. And if you're new to the show, welcome. But also I should reiterate that this Superman and this Lois are from the pre-Flashpoint universe and do some to some time and space shenanigans involving the Convergence story that we covered in the first episode here. They have ended up in the current continu continuity universe that is winding down from the end of the New 52 era. And uh, again, Lois is remembering when Doomsday showed up and Superman fought him to a standstill. And she was remembering how Clark gave his all to stop Doomsday and the punches were so hard it sounded like bombs going off. And the second page is really neat. I assume it's a double page splash. And we have Lois kind of her eyes closed and remembering this, this bitter memory. And we have her hair, uh, which is kind of flowing and then interspersed in her hair are these images of that classic fight from the early 90s. And there is a really good uh, recreation of that classic image of Superman with his shirt ripped off from the fight and laying there either dead or near death with Lois holding him and crying while the Superman cape flies in the background like a tattered flag and it's really good. And she goes into John's room because if you'll remember from the last issue of this series that we covered, she had forbidden John to watch the current fight that Superman is having with Doomsday in the metropolis of this world uh, because she's worried about what's going to happen. She's afraid her son's going to see his father die on live TV. And so she sent him to his room. He's very upset. She goes in to talk to him and... Uh, she says, you know, we need to talk about what's happening with your dad. And he's upset. He says, you don't want me to see it. And then he pulls out his, uh, I guess it's like a small tablet or maybe a phone where he's watching the video anyway, uh, streaming. And she goes, you're afraid that dad's going to get killed. And she said that, uh, you know, you're scared. And the fact that you are scared is scaring me. They call this monster doomsday. That means he's a, he's a really bad guy. Lois says he's very bad, and John says Dad's fought him before. Lois admits that he has, and John says, well, he must have won because he's here now and he's doing fine. Did you see it? Were you there? And Lois says she was, and John says, so if that worked out okay, it'll be okay again. Please, Mom, can I please see how Dad's doing? 
which is very touching that you know, Lois knows what happened. Not the last time Superman fought Doomsday, because he's fought Doomsday a few times since then. And I'm eventually going to talk about those those fights on um, on my Patreon once I get it set up after the New Year. Is they are going to be among the uh, my favorite Superman moments from the 80s and 90s that I'll be talking about uh, for my patron only content. But she knows he died, and she's having to give him half truths about this. And she says she hates lying to John. And I actually kind of view that in a, in a slightly different light than how it's portrayed here. Technically, she didn't lie to him. And I know that's splitting hairs. But um, I kind of view it how the difference between how I'm very committed to telling the truth and how a family member of mine is committed to telling the truth. You know, I believe you should always tell the truth you know, as much as possible, always. But sometimes the, the blatant truth can hurt the person you're talking to. And it can also create problems for the person you're talking to. Um, so I believe that when you tell the truth, but you don't give all of the information to protect the person you're talking to, you're actually doing them a service. Now, this person I'm related to has you know, an almost pathological uh, desire to speak the unfiltered truth always, no matter how harsh it is. And, you know, that would be Lois going, yes, he fought him and he died. And, you know, that would crush John, probably. So I fully support how Lois is handling this situation. She's she's not being untruthful, but she's also not giving him all of the facts, which, to me, in the circumstances, seems totally legitimate. So from there, we go to Metropolis, and uh, Jimmy is on the ground with this mysterious other Clark Kent that has appeared. And he is encouraging, Jimmy's encouraging this other Clark to get up there and to help Superman and to help Lex in his Superman armor fight Doomsday. And this other Clark says, uh, listen to me, I'll explain everything as best as I can, but Metropolis is a war zone right now. You need to know I'm not him. And we've had this discussion back and forth over the last few issues that, and again, if you're new to the show, um, the new 52 Clark Kent was outed as Superman and then died, um, or the new 52 Superman was outed as Clark Kent and, and they died. Uh, in, I don't know how long after Clark was outed as Superman that, that happened, honestly, because I have not read much of this new 52 yet, but he, he, he is very publicly dead. Uh, Superman's remains were enshrined uh, in a big memorial in uh, Centennial Park there in Metropolis. Uh, our Clark moved those remains to Kansas so they could be buried near the remains of the New 52, John and Martha Kent. And everybody in this universe knows that that's, everybody in this world knows that, that Superman died. And everybody in this world knows that that Superman was also Clark Kent. So there's a, it's like, well, we know you're Superman because you were outed as Superman. And he's like, I, I promise I'm not. I'm not Superman. I don't have powers. I can't help. And the reason that Jimmy is trying to get this Clark to go help is because at the end of the last issue, Doomsday shredded Alexa's armor and he's looming over him, about to crush him. But then Superman flies in and grabs Doomsday in a tackle 
and flies him up into the sky. And he's the strategy that Superman has been trying to do is to fly Doomsday pretty much up into space. Where I don't know if I don't think Doomsday needs to breathe. I know he didn't in the previous universe. I don't know if he needs to in this or not. And I'll get into that in a little bit if this is the same Doomsday. I don't think it is, but I'll explain why in a bit. But Doomsday is hitting him so hard that Clark can't keep a hold on him, and they crash back to the ground. Now, from there, we go to the mysterious lair of Mr. Oz, who is a green hooded robed figure who carries a skies-like staff and has been keeping tabs on Superman. He's watching Superman and Lex in Doomsday and this mysterious other Clark on these monitors he has in his lair that is other than the monitor seems to be just black nothingness. And Mr. Oz is saying, stop, think, you can't fight your way out of this Superman. And Lex is thinking that his armor is useless, but he has his very own mother box. And what's interesting about this mother box, instead of making the ping, ping, ping noises that mother boxes usually makes, it goes Lex, Lex, Lex. And I know this is tied into the Doomsday War saga from New 52, something I am eager to read. And again, I am slowly making my way through the New 52 universe, so I will get to that eventually. But the mother box goes about starting to repair Lex's armor. And we go back to the farm, and again, John's saying, um, he's commenting on the fight. Uh, Lois has agreed to let him watch the fight on TV. And John is asking, what did he have to do to beat Doomsday? And Lois says, it took everything your dad had, but he managed to knock him out and to outlast him. So back in Metropolis, uh, Doomsday has a car. He's about to crush some people. So Superman slams into them, slams into Doomsday, excuse me, and they both smash down into the sewer. And his plan is to isolate Doomsday, to pin him in the sewer system. He knows it won't last very long, but it may give the, uh, the bystanders a chance to get away. So Lex flies in with his fully repaired armor. He tells the civilians that buses are on the way to get them out of there. Clark and Jimmy are trying to get as close to the hole that Superman made in the street to, so Clark can make notes. Again, this is other Clark. They make notes about what's happening for the story and that, so Jimmy can take photographs. So as Superman and Doomsday are fighting down in the sewer, uh, Doomsday slams Superman into a support uh, column, which causes a small earthquake, which makes other Clark fall into the sewer. And true to his word that he doesn't have powers, he falls down and immediately breaks his arm in the sewer. So it appears that this Clark is telling the truth that if he does have powers, they are not that of Superman. He is not invulnerable. See, he is hurt. And back at the farm, uh, uh, watching on TV, John comments that there's that guy with the glasses again, the guy that looks just like Dad. Uh, we don't know what's going on. And, um, and Lois is again saying that when your dad fought Doomsday the first time, all I could do was pray for the best. So down in the sewer, Superman is trying to encourage other Clark to run away. Other Clark says he can't. And so Superman says, uh, I'll do what I can to get you to safety. Um, and he says, uh, and other Clark says, you'll save me. Is that it? Sorry, one second. I got my 
phone is doing some craziness. Let me zoom in here. There we go. Uh, he says, you'll save me. Is that it? Like you did before? And Superman says, I have no idea what you're talking about. And Clark says, months ago when you sent me into hiding. And Clark starts to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. But Doomsday rushes him again. And Clark manages to at least throw him some distance away to give himself and Clark a few seconds so that Clark says that Superman is playing the mystery man. You owe me answers. Superman is saying, I could say the same about you. We will finish this conversation, I promise, but later. And so this is a pretty compelling mystery. Um, Superman assumes that this Clark is lying about who he is. This Clark seems to think that Superman is lying about who he is. And so that is pretty fascinating. And then Lex shows up with his armor fixed and says, well, I think both of you were lying, but we will figure that out later. And so um, Lex says, you know, come on, let's go attack Doomsday together. Together we have enough power to probably defeat him. And Superman says, we can't do that without getting all the civilians up on the street killed. So he convinces Lex to oversee the super uh, the evacuation of the civilians while he holds when he tries to hold Doomsday at bay. So as Lex takes other Clark and flies him up out of the sewer, Superman absolutely lays in to Doomsday, and they are going no holds barred. They are pummeling each other, and Clark is not holding back at all. He says. Uh, Oh, let's see. He says that uh, I know enough not to let him get in close for any amount of time. I can't let up. I can't cut him any slack whatsoever. I have to pour it on with all the intensity I can muster. And so after a few punches, while he bashes Doomsday some distance away, he goes wide open. Uh, and again, I've referred, this is how I've referred to John's heat vision in the past few episodes as Cyclops without a visor heat vision. And yes, I know Cyclops' Cyclops's blasts aren't heat, but it looks like it looks the same. It is wide open, and uh, the news report that's uh, the 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 news reporter that's in the helicopter above said uh, they can feel this. Uh, as reporters have been moved away from the scene, but even from blocks away, they can feel searing heat coming from below. So Clark is laying it on super heavy, and. Uh, even pinned to the wall with the heat blast, Doomsday just goes eh, and reaches out and crushes a gas line that's nearby. And Clark's or Superman's heat vision causes a massive explosion. It's so big it actually cracks a skyscraper in half uh, vertically. So the top half of the skyscraper has broken off and is falling to the city below. And it's made a massive crater and we see uh, while Lex looks on in horror at the destruction to Metropolis, Lois and John are looking in horror at the TV. Mr. Oz is just standing there impassively watching on his monitors. And we see other Clark crawl out of the rubble. So this Clark is apparently very, very lucky or he has some powers that we don't know about. And he sees a shape, a humanoid shape, moving in the distance through the dust and the smoke. And he says, Superman, is that you? But then it is Doomsday looming out of the smoke with Doomsday about to crush our mystery Clark. And that is the end of the episode. 
or next that's the end of the issue and it says next issue wonder woman so that will be really interesting so this was a good issue i really like this um i do miss zercher's artwork on this but the uh what i s assume is the fill-in artist whose name now i don't remember tyler kirkman does a great job um no complaints about the artwork whatsoever i just have a personal preference for Zercher, but that doesn't mean that one is any better than the other. And I don't remember if if uh, if Kirkman is filling in, he was taking over the art, or if he's just filling in, but it's still pretty great. Um, Kirkman does have kind of a scratchier art style. It's, it's a little um, kind of image 90s y without you know, laying into the the sexualization or anything like that it is 90s image in a good way excuse me um so you know interesting interesting thoughts here about doomsday and i'd said earlier that i don't know if this is supposed to be the doomsday from the pre-flashpoint universe or not uh, i'm sure they talk about it later in the series i just don't remember but that doomsday has died several times actually and i think i think he was last seen in the early 2000s um i know i think he got killed during our worlds at war and then i believe that dark side made less powerful doomsday clones that appear during the first supergirl arc of batman superman but it's been forever since i've read that because I just don't like that era of Superman comics. I'm, I know a lot of people love the Jeff Loeb era. I, I don't. I don't love the Loeb Kelly era. Um, you know, I, I, like, um, I like the run of Man of Steel that was going on during that time. But, you know, the main Superman book and action comics and Adventures of Superman were just not for me. And that includes uh, Loeb's Batman Superman. And I especially don't like the art on that, uh, on that Supergirl uh, arc of Batman Superman by Michael Turner. Um, not, I don't mean to speak ill of the dead, but I just not a fan of his artwork. But um, what makes me assume that this is not the same Doomsday is it's it's not that Dan Jurgens doesn't know Doomsday's characterization. He created Doomsday, and this Doomsday acts different than the pre-Flashpoint Doomsday. Um, this doomsday just appears to be a mindless engine of destruction that he just destroys whatever's in his way because it's there. And that is, that's part of doomsday's characterization, but it's missing an element. The pre, um, the pre flashpoint doomsday, especially during death of Superman was intentionally malevolent. Um, I had tweeted about this when I was rereading the death of Superman a few weeks ago that there's a comparison I made to a page of The Incredible Hulk from mid-80s, I guess, where it was where Byrne had, John Byrne had just taken over the title from Bill Mantlo. He was writing and drawing the book. And there's a scene where Mindless Hulk uh, like lands in the middle of a field and there is a there's a huge deer there, like a stag, right, with the horns and all that. A, a buck, I guess, if you hunt for for those of you that hunt. Um, and Hulk just 
views, you know, is for a moment kind of calm by the placidity of the, of the scene. And he has no animosity towards the deer, but the deer sees, sees him as an intruder, sees him as an intruder, charges him, and the hawk just reacts instinctively and backhands the deer, which breaks his neck. And then he actually looks down at the deer, and he's not exactly sad about it, but he is like slightly, you know, he's only upset that the placidity of the moment is broken. And there's a parallel scene in uh, one of the issues that builds up to the death of Superman where Doomsday lands in a field. It's a very similar theme. And there's a deer there. And Doomsday calmly walks up to the deer and the deer is calmly observing him. And Doomsday reaches out and touches the deer, but then he grabs it and crushes its neck and laughs. And we see that throughout the death of Superman that Doomsday enjoys the, the carnage and the death that he's creating. This Doomsday doesn't have that. This Doomsday is just a destruction machine. There doesn't appear to be any, I mean, there may be malevolence in his intention, but it's not expressed through the art. And, you know, there isn't that big, that, uh, that eerie laughter of sound effect that we got from Doomsday in the buildup to the death of Superman. And I don't know what this Doomsday story is. It may be the same one, and they've just changed his characterization. It may be a new one. If it's a new one, I don't know his backstory. And I don't remember if they ever say what this one's backstory is. And if you're not familiar with Doomsday's backstory, I will talk about that eventually when we get to Superman Doomsday Hunter Prey on the Patreon. Which, again, I will be starting sometime very shortly after the new year. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, it's... And I don't have a problem with how this was done, and this is not criticism of it. I just think it's interesting. I think uh, Lex's characterization in this is fascinating. I've mentioned this before. This is my favorite characterization of Lex. I like Lex the anti-villain. I like Lex being the character who does the right thing, saving people, building up Metropolis, taking care of Metropolis for the wrong reason, because it's all about his ego, and it's all about him proving that he is the superior protector of Metropolis. And I like that a lot. And I, I hate that pretty much as soon as Jurgens leaves the book, because the Action Comics is as much a Lex Luthor book as it is a Superman book going forward, that that characterization pretty much ends to make way for the Justice Doom War. Not that I dislike Justice Doom War. It's just not my, it's kind of one of my least favorite characterizations of Luthor. Um, let's see. I've talked about this mysterious other Clark for a bit. Um, I think it's a, we'll get to the reveal eventually about who this other Clark really is or what his deal really is. Um, I'm not sure it exactly pays off, but again, it is interesting. It's not a bad story. It's very left field, but maybe that was the whole intention. Maybe I think maybe Jurgens wanted to kind of pull a, a fast one on both the reveal of Mystery Clark and of Mr. Oz. Um, I love the colors in this. The colors are great. Um, I love how Clark's or Superman's suit looks. I like the the fact that the material looks almost like plastic or leather. Um, it's definitely not just cloth. It looks really good. I like that we're in the sewer. All the sludge and everything is almost like a toxic green. And it's a good counterpoint to the blue of Superman's suit and the red of his cape and the and the red of his of his heat vision. 
it's just a lovely issue altogether. And uh, Kirkman's uh, penciling style really, really lends itself to the destruction, all the rubble, all that that's going on. So just really, really fun issue, really intriguing issue. And I'm really looking forward to continuing this series. And I think that's all I have to say about it. So if you have any thoughts on this issue or about my coverage of it, I encourage you to send them to me at About Superman on Twitter, either a tweet or a DM, or send them to me directly at truthjusticeandhope at gmail.com. So I'm going to take for you what will be a short break, what for me will be about a 24-hour break, and we'll be back to talk about the first issue of New Superman right after this sponsor ad. And we're back. But before we get on to our second comic, let me say that if you are enjoying this episode and if you have any questions or comments about it, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at About Superman or directly at truthjusticeandhope at gmail.com. And if you're especially enjoying, enjoying the show and if you'd like to make a financial contribution, uh, feel free to visit anchor.fm slash truthjusticeandhope, hit the support button, and uh, please make a donation of one, five, or ten dollars, either one time or recurring. It helps me make the show even better and more frequent. And with that said, let's get back to the comic books. So our second comic of this episode is New Superman number one. It is by Gene Luen Yang, and I hope I'm not butchering his name. <clears throat> Excuse me. Art is by Victor Victor Bogdanovich. Inks are by Richard Friend. Colors by Hi-Fi. David Sharp does the letters. Uh, Bogdanovich and Kelsey Shannon did the main cover. And Bernard Chang did the variant cover. Now, the main cover is of our new Superman in his red, black, and yellow costume. Uh, hovering above the streets of a major metropolitan city. <laughs> and I'm sure it says inside the issue which one it is. But I, I'm, sh I'm sure it is, but I, I've forgotten which one it is. And uh, they did a neat little thing. They have him. He's holding a somewhat overweight young man by the belt as he hovers above the ground. And he's holding a giant golden number one over his shoulder which is pretty cute. Uh, we have a rather intense-looking lady in science gear on the bottom left of the page. There's a really cool-looking superhero, maybe supervillain kind of guy who we will describe more once we get into the book on his uh, on New Superman's left. That's our right. And then we have a news crew looking up at New Superman from the ground. It's a pretty cool cover. The variant cover is new a, I would say, buffer-looking New Superman holding a lady who is somewhat, uh, who somewhat resembles Lois, um, although she uh, does have uh, more Asian features. And he's standing on what looks like a crushed car and the lady's taking a selfie, and there are people um, all around taking pictures of new Superman with their camera phones. It is also a very good cover. So we get into the book, and the aforementioned 
a somewhat overweight young man is running through an alley. And we have some narration. It says, in the whole of China, there are maybe three other people more important than I am. The first emperor, Chairman Mao, and Yao Ming. And he says, I guess you could also maybe say Confucius too. The point is, pay attention because I'm about to tell you my story. And we're getting all this narration in the in the panels with the with the uh, portly young man with the glasses and it says take some notes this will be one for the grandkids um, then somebody comes out of nowhere and punches him in the face and the kid falls down and then the narration says hold up you didn't think i'm the tubby kid with the glasses and the punchable face oh come on does he look that important to you and the person who punched the kid is shaking him down for his lunch and the kid says you know i don't know why you're doing this i've offered to buy you lunch why do you keep on insisting on taking mine and the guy who punched him is standing over him holding his backpack in his soda and the guy who punched him says because for some reason it tastes better this way so we have a bully who describes himself as broad-shouldered handsome face like a movie star Movie star, tall but not in a freaky way like Yao Ming. Is, is that the basketball player guy? I don't I don't know from sports, but maybe. I don't know. I don't know who Yao Ming is. I assume he's a sports guy. He says this is somebody this is what somebody important looks like. Now, it's interesting to note that even though this other kid, and he looks I assume they're teenagers. They look like they're somewhere between 14 and 18. He describes himself as tall and broad shouldered. And handsome, and he's he's not so much. I mean, he's not overweight, but he definitely has kind of a pooch belly, and he's got a bit of of a double chin, and there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't match this kid's this, uh, like his mental image of himself, which I think is is pretty telling. This is obviously a very egotistical kid, or a kid who puts on an egotistical front, who who has maybe inflated his own, not only sense of importance, but is also uh, a grandiose appearance. And so he takes the other kid's lunch. Uh, he says the, the other kid's real name is Li, Li Xin. I guess L-I-X-I-N. Again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. But the other kid calls him Pang Zi, which means fat boy. Ha ha. And the ha ha is actually in the dialogue. I'm not laughing at this overweight kid. And um, the other guy says that Li Xin's uh, family runs an entire airline, uh, or he, he says that the other kid owns the airline, and Li Xin says that they don't own it, they just run it, and um, the other kid just tosses the Li Xin's lunch over his shoulder and says, whatever, you can do better, tell your mom to pack something we're stealing tomorrow. So, you know, we've, we've run into a bully situation, but good for Lee Shin. He throws his lunch at the back of the other kid's head and whacks him. But then he has to take off running because this other kid, even though he's not as, you know, he's not in great shape, he could probably, you know, hand this other kid a butt whooping. So Lee Shin takes off running and he chases him down the alley out into the street. And that is where we see that the superhero slash supervillain looking guy from the cover has grabbed Li Shin and is hovering in the air. And this is Blue Condor. And Blue Condor looks awesome. So he's got a faux hawk and he's got this mask 
that kind of reminds me of Winter Soldier's mask, only instead of being a separate piece that covers his mouth and nose and then goggles, it's one single piece that covers his whole face. And the mask itself is blue, and then there are markings around the eyes that look vaguely like a bird. And then he has kind of lightweight blue and black and white armor with these very cool kind of Voltron-looking wings out the back. And Blue Condor, apparently, he's, he is China's first American-style supervillain, which is what the, the, the narration box says. And again, the narration box is from the point of the bully kid. Now, I have not read past this issue. This is my first read of New Superman. So I don't know if Blue Condor really is a villain. He sure is acting like, a, like it in this. But we're going to see as we go through this issue, there are some twists and turns in our expectations. So maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I kind of hope he's not because he looks really, really cool. And I don't want him to be a bad guy. But if he's a bad guy... He's an awesome looking bad guy. But Blue Condor has been terrorizing uh, China's rich and powerful, uh, and specifically people like Li Xin's family. And so, um, looking up at Blue Condor, uh, the kid whose name we don't know yet throws a soda can and pops Blue Condor in the face. And so, Blue Condor drops Li Xin and uh, our bully slash maybe not bully tells Li Shin to run, and Li Shin runs. Um, but then Blue Condor just kind of stares down at him, and our bully kid uh, expects he's about to die at any second, but then Blue Condor just kind of takes off. And there is a young lady who is filming this all on her phone, and another bystander saying, who is that kid talking about our boy? And she's, uh, and the lady, the, the young lady with the cell phone says she doesn't know, but she's going to find out. And so, um, let's see, do have our, has our bully kid gotten named yet? Uh, nope, I don't think so. So I'm just double checking because I don't, I don't want to go to the next several pages just calling him bully kid. Hang on. Do, 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 do. Nope, no, no name yet. Okay, so I'm just gonna call him Bully Kid for now. But maybe he's a, maybe he is not as much as a bully as we think he is. We don't know. Oh, so uh, here we get his first name. We get his uh, his first name is Kenan. No, I say first name. In apparently uh, the surname and the given name are swapped forwards and backwards, but his his given name is spelled K-E-N-A-N. I did some research on how to pronounce this properly. And somebody um, sent me an article that was actually, where someone actually interviewed uh, Gene, Gene Young, and he said that it's pronounced Kenan. And so I'm going to go with Kenan. So it kind of looks like Kenan, but it's K-E-N-A-N, so it's Kenan. And Lee Shin says, you know, thank you. I don't know how to repay you. And Kenan says, okay, uh, you can repay me by giving me all the cash you've got on you. And so Lee Shin gives him some money, and Kenan just walks off. And Lee Shin says, hey, I'll, I'll bring you more money tomorrow. You're my hero. So as Kenan is walking away, the young lady with the cell phone before, who has 
long hair and a pink jacket and a pink hat and pink tinted glasses. Runs after him, says, hey, wait up. And she wants to ask him a few questions. Her name is Lainey Lan or Lainey Lan, L-A-N. And she's a reporter for Primetime Shanghai. So I guess they're in Shanghai. So I was, <laughs> I was right. It did say in there what city it was. I just forgot which city it was because I'm so used to uh, fictional cities in the DC universe that I just kind of glossed over the name when they said it. <clears throat> but uh, here we have our, uh, our obvious Lois analog with the double L's reporter. And um, she's got her crew here right now. And she wants, uh, she's asking Kenan to give her five minutes of her time. And the video that she's already shared has already gotten half a million views. And uh, so, yeah, he agrees to give her a short interview. And his full name is Kong Kenan. And again, goes by Kenan, with the Kong being the family name. And, you know, he, he, as, as, um, as Lainey is interviewing Kenan, she is kind of coaching him through the interview. And he's like, well, it, it just seemed like, you know, like he was going to get hurt. And, and, uh, I didn't really think about it. And she goes, so you acted out of your sense of civic duty. He's like, yeah, that that's it. My sense of civic duty. And, uh, <laughs> and she says, were you scared? And he flexes for the camera and says, would you be scared if you had biceps like these? Ha ha. And one thing I love about the dialogue in this, it reads like, I don't know, I, and I hate to be, it's like, this is how the kids these days talk, because I'm old. But I do see, you know, I am on Twitter often, and many of my mutuals are a bit younger than me. And I do say that they end a lot of their, their, their typed messages, their, their tweets when it's supposed to be funny with haha. And so, and so Jean puts a lot of haha in the dialogue, which I think is really funny. It, it sounds like how I think young people talk, which again, sounds really, really sad and lame, but it's true. It is how I think young people talk. So as, uh, Kenan is giving this live interview, we see that our intense science lady uh, from the cover and her assistant are watching and intense science lady says he is the one the one for what we don't know yet let's keep going and find out <clears throat> so uh let's see do, 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 do. so uh kenan wraps up or laney wraps up the interview with kenan and again we have the, uh, and with the interview that I read with Gene, he said that he wanted the, the, uh, he wanted, uh, Kenan's initials to be an analog for Clark Kent's, but he didn't want to do CK because apparently the C has a very different sound in Pinyin, uh, which is where Mandarin, uh, gets translated to English. And so he went with, well, he went with KK instead of CK. So. We have KK and LL, which is very cute. And he's trying to ask her out on a date. And she says, ha ha, no, I'd like to talk to you about your family, do a more in-depth interview. And she gives him his card. And he says, yeah, we'll go out for coffee. And she says, yeah, how about you graduate high school? See you later. And so she takes off and Kenan goes running home to his dad's garage. 
his dad's a mechanic and you know the 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 guy that works at the front desk is giving Kenan a bit of a hard time he saw the interview he's a big hero guy and uh Kenan is trying to show his dad the video that went viral of him and his, his dad absolutely does not care he does not have time for it and he says he's already seen it and you know Ken's like yeah it's awesome right and his dad says he can't um and so he, he said that Lainey wants to interview him later and she's coming by the house tonight and Kenan's dad says he won't be there because he has to be there for his writers group and Kenan says can't you just skip it this once and Kenan's dad says, no, we finally gathered enough evidence to prove that the Ministry of Self-Reliance actually exists. And Kenan's internal dialogue box says that um, they've been doing this uh, writer's group, quote unquote, for several years now, trying to prove that um, the, the secret government agency, which may or may not exist, is doing really evil stuff. And Kenan's dad says they're just about ready to publish their findings. And Kenan says that they've been getting ready to publish their findings for five years. And uh, and Kenan is heartbroken. He says, Dad, don't you get it? I could have died today. And Kenan's dad says, but you didn't. And here's what I need you to get, son. Some things are more important than one individual. Truth, justice, democracy. Everything my writer's group is fighting for. I'm not skipping it out to take some part of some spectacle they're using to generate television ratings. So it, it feels kind of, and I know it's not intended to be an analog to Cyborg and his father, but it is kind of the same vibe where the dad is working on um, something that will benefit the greater good, but he doesn't have time for his own son. So yes, what, what Kenan's dad seems to be working for is a noble purpose, but he seems so wrapped up in it that he is neglecting his son. And that's probably a lot of the reason that Kenan is the way he is. So, um, and Kenan's dad also knows that he was messing with Lee Shin and he, Kenan's dad has gotten a lot of complaints from Lee Shin's dad. And remember Lee Shin's dad is like CEO of an airline. You know, he, he runs the whole thing. He doesn't, he's not the owner, but he's like the big man in charge of operations. And Lee Shin's dad, who is probably, if not a millionaire, if not a billionaire, at least very close to it, has threatened to sue uh, Kenan's dad on several occasions. And so Kenan's dad berates um, Kenan and he says, Lee Shin is not the reason your mother died. And so that's another mystery that they've started here. So it's got, you know, uh, he says that, uh, I told you to stay away from that boy. He has nothing to do with what happened to your mother. And so Kenan leaves. He's very dejected. He goes to his mom's grave. And that is where we get intense science lady. And she, uh, at first he thinks she's a reporter. She says, no, I'm offering you an opportunity. He says, you, you've shown the world that you have the heart to be a hero. I can give you the powers to match. He says, I'm not interested. And she says, I know from your school records that your mother passed away when you were 12. I know from your cell phone GPS service that you haven't visited her grave in nearly two years. What made you decide to come tonight? 
and uh, Intense Science Lady shows him a video, and it is of New 52 Superman stopping, uh, trying to stop a plane from crashing. And she says he's no longer with us, but when he was alive, he was the greatest of American heroes. And when Kenan zooms in on Superman trying to stop the plane from catching, uh, from crashing, his, he says, my heart catches and I can't finish my sentence. So something about Superman trying to stop that plane crash is very upsetting to Kenan. And keeping in mind that Kenan blames Lee Shin's family for his mother's death. So very good chance the two are related. Let's find out. An intense science lady says that my colleagues and I have developed a way to replicate Superman's ability in the right person. And she believes that he is the right person. And she says her name is Dr. Omen and she works for the Ministry of Self-Reliance. Now, if you were with me for the episode where we talked about the death of New 52 Superman, I don't know if Dr. Omen was introduced before that, but that is where we, for the purpose of this podcast, were introduced to Dr. Omen. And in that, which takes place before this, because she said she... Um, Right. This, yeah. Excuse me. It, it it takes place before this, and uh, in that story, she had already created a test subject. Um, the way. Sorry. What I got sidetracked was the way we know that this issue takes place after the death of New Fifty Two Superman. While he's having, while she's having him watch the video, she says that Superman is no longer with us and. New 52 Superman was very much alive until the very end of that story arc. So, and again, in the New 52, Death of New 52 Superman, she'd already found a way to replicate his powers. And she had a test subject who escaped. Now, reading that, I assume that was supposed to be Kenan. Apparently, it's not. So, that is another mystery that has been set up. It's like, well, what was going on with this other is that just a failed experiment that we're not going to hear anything else about? Maybe he just blew up in space off panel? We don't know. So hopefully we'll find out because that's a pretty cool running subplot. So Dr. Omen takes Kenan to the Oriental Pearl Tower in Shanghai. And she has them in this, in this suit that is different shades of red with a variation of the Superman S on his chest. Only it's not in a diamond-shaped shield. It's kind of a mm, octagonal shield, I guess. Yeah, it's like an octagonal shield and the two line, two, the two sides, uh, the two vertical sides are slightly longer than on the other sides. So she's got him in this suit and she and her assistant are going to put him in this giant machine, what she calls the origin chamber. And, um, and he's asking, it won't hurt, will it? And the assistant says it won't hurt, but there's a 17.5% of terminal failure. And he says, what do you mean terminal failure? He says, she says, don't worry, that probability only applied to our first attempt at this. So maybe that is what they're referencing. And maybe they're referencing that first test subject. Maybe they're implying that he died. I don't know. But again, maybe we'll find out this, as the series progresses. And she says that they've improved the procedure significantly since then. So they put him in this machine, 
and it's filling up with gas or energy or something and he's starting to freak out so she's he's banging his hand on the inside of the uh, of the chamber um, but then dr. Oma's assistant presses a button and his body is flooded with orange yellow energy and as he's doing this he has a vision it is of the plane that his mom was on of China's Southeast Airlines, the airline that is operated by Li Xin's father, crashing. And he sees himself outside of the plane in New 52 Superman's costume, and he is rushing to save the plane. Um, and in his, both his panic over, over the strangeness of the procedure and over the panic of his vision, he bursts out of the chamber. And again, if you were with me during the death of New 52 Superman arc, there was a character in there called Denny Swan, who also accidentally inherited some of the residual power that New 52 Superman um, expelled from his body when he did this massive solar flare. And Kenyon kind of looks like that. He's, it's very, it, it's almost kind of um, human torch-like, only without flames. So his whole body is glowing kind of red and orange and yellow. And his eyes and his mouth and the red S symbol are glowing brightly. And so the smoke clears and Kenan is now looking human again. But he realizes he's flying. Um, but... Uh, before he can before he can do anything, he starts shooting heat vision out of his eyes, and he is kind of out of control. And Doctor Oma is telling him to calm down, and he says, "Well, I don't really know how to calm down, but what if, even if I could, if even if I knew how, why would I want to? Because I'm Superman, haha." And so, um, Doctor Oman gets on a risk communicator and contacts someone named Peng Delan and Wang. Baji, man, I hope I'm uh, I'm probably butchering these names. If I am, I'm sorry. But it's P-E-N-G-D-E-I-L-A-N, Peng Dailan, and Wang Bajin, W-A-N-G-B-A-I-X-I. So, again, hope I'm not butchering that, but I probably am. And she tells him to come to the space module right now. And on the last splash page, we see the chamber... Uh, being, um, we see two figures bursting into the chamber and one has a very Batman-like costume and, uh, and we have another in a green costume that looks not at all like Wonder Woman's costume at all. It is uh, like a skirt in a long sleeve skin-tight shirt and she has her, her hair up in like two long um, ponytails on the side, uh, more... I would say more like Chun-Li than, than Wonder Woman, but they are the Batman and Wonder Woman of China. And if, if Kenan doesn't cooperate immediately, they're going to take him down to be continued next issue with the Justice League of China. So this is really fun. Um, Kenan is an actually really interesting character. I started to read this a few months ago. I couldn't get past the like the scene where Kenan was bullying Li Shin just because he was so obnoxious. But you know, once you get past that, Kenan is really interesting. It the uh, the whole thing where he 
where he he's traumatized from his mom's death. He doesn't know how to process it because his dad doesn't have time for him. And he's processing it inappropriately by taking it out on the son of the guy who runs the airline. That's really neat. And I am really curious about what's going on with Dr. Omen and about her previous experiment and what happened to that person. And plus the Batman and Wonder Woman of China are just kind of neat. So a lot of fun. And I really like the art in this. And uh, if you haven't also read it uh, yet, um, I'm sorry, let me get back to his name because I know I've pronounced his name wrong at least once. Um, Jean Luen Yang, he also wrote uh, Superman Smashes the Clan, which is an a adaptation with a lot of um, changes um, from the uh, old-timey uh, radio show uh, story Superman in the Fire Superman and the Clan of the Fiery Cross, basically Superman finding the KKK. Um, it's a really good story. Uh, so if you haven't read that, definitely go check it out. I really like his writing. And like I said, the art in this is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going on more with this. You know, I should say that when Kenan gets all the energy, he is suddenly in much better shape than he was before. He doesn't have the double chin anymore. He's got a six pack. Um, one thing that's neat about the, <clears throat> excuse me, about the costumes that both he and the Batman of China and the Wonder Woman of China um, have is on the left shoulder of their uniforms. They all have the yellow stars that are part of the Chinese flag. And that is pretty cool. So yeah, I don't really have any other thoughts about this other than it's interesting and I like the art and I like the story. So I'm gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up this episode. And that does it for episode 10. Now, if you are listening to this the day it comes out, I do have to apologize for this one being a day late. I got my COVID booster shot Friday night and I was not expecting any side effects. And so Saturday morning came around and I was fine. And Saturday early afternoon came around and I was fine. So I went ahead and recorded the first half of the episode and I was a little pressed for time. So... I put a pin in it, and I figured I'd come back to it Sunday afternoon and record the second half. But then the side effects of the shot hit me real hard Saturday night. And I was out of it all day Sunday. I was exhausted and just kind of fuzzy-headed and fatigued. And I spent a lot of day, most of the day taking a nap. So I did the second half on Monday, which is the day it was supposed to come out. But it's okay. Um, but the good news is that means you only have to wait 13 days for the next episode instead of 14 days. So yay, let's say yay. But anyway, when we do get to episode 11, we're going to be talking about Superman number three, where Clark and Lois and John are going to be facing off against the, the new Eradicator. And um, we are going to be talking about Justice League number one and remember that the last issue of justice league we talked about was justice league rebirth which was technically a zero issue 
So those are going to be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to talking about them with you. And again, that'll be in almost two weeks, and I will see you then. But until then, remember to fight fear at every turn with an open mind and an open heart. Love you.